Testing, testing. It's on. One, two, one, two. Microphone checker. Microphone wrecker. Microphone picker picker. <laughs> Alright, let's give this a shot. What is life? What does it mean to heal? I'm a human. Hello, hello? Anybody there? Why are we here? What does this mean? Let's figure it out together. That's fun. Just to come play. Play in the podverse. What are we doing? This is the Turning of the Bones podcast. Hello. Welcome to another episode of the Turning of the Bones podcast. <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I hope this podcast finds you well whenever it finds you. Thank you. Thanks for joining. Thanks for being here carving out some time to sit down and have a little chat just have a little um yeah i don't know just a little discussion during these wild and turbulent times these uh i just keep hearing people say and i've said it too that you know like this pre-apocalyptic late stage capitalism, global pandemic, climate warming, end of times kind of vibe. And <laughs> um, I think that's real. Um, and also like, <clears throat> we've kind of always felt that way. It's always been end of times. If you read history and how people have felt about anything that was changing that was large, it's always, uh, it's always been the end of times always been a threat to our uh, society so uh welcome to another day at the carnival um glad that <clears throat> you got a ticket i got a ticket i'm happy we're all here at the amusement park of life um yeah i hope you're doing well i hope you're taking care of yourselves i hope you're getting rest drinking lots of water i'm gonna have a little bit here i can hear my voice a little uh a little scraggly been uh, quite a week for me personally lots of uh interpersonal complexities with uh just with everything family life <clears throat> dating friendships you know i think we're all we're all tired and uh i know i, I worked my ass off this week and i can hear i can hear the tired in my voice and since i don't really uh attach my self-worth to productivity i'm just gonna let myself be tired on this podcast honor my commitment <clears throat> and get out a little uh get out a little verbal verbal theater here uh, i i got some <clears throat> excuse me i got some questions this week from listeners which was really great i think i got the most i've ever gotten in uh in my time of doing this podcast, which is fun, makes me feel like this is growing. So thank you. Uh, got some questions. I got some coffee. Got my vape. Uh, got a sick dog. Wow, my dog has been just brutally sick. She ate something this week. <clears throat> ate a couple somethings this week, and uh, she's just napping. She's really tired. 
uh, made her snuggles super cute. She was just moaning, but uh, yeah, it's been a been trying week. Not a lot of sleep, not a lot of consistent rest. Sleep is so important. So I'm just gonna jump into these questions here. The first one is a uh, is kind of a big one. Um, so if I don't have time to get to the other two, um, I'll do that in another podcast. <clears throat> but the first question was kind of what was your experience of meditating? That's a that's a really interesting question because um, I've been doing it pretty steadily every day for about six or seven years now, maybe somewhere around there. Five, six, seven. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't have a good track of that, but it's been a while. It's been so long that it's a, it's a regular part of my routine. And it's a really complex topic, and I've learned a lot from a lot of different teachers. And I want to be clear that this is just, these are just my reflections, uh, having done it a short period of time and knowing people who practice for 10 and 20 years, you know, I think there is. <clears throat> There is a difference in, in the amount of time you put into it. And I'm not an expert. I'm not a teacher. These are just things that I've picked up and observations I've made about myself. Uh, maybe they'll apply to you. This person who reached out is uh, new to meditating, I think just started this month. And I think the first thing I want to say is that, you know, <clears throat> meditating isn't for everybody. That learning how to be in your body especially if you've experienced trauma which we all have learning how to just sit with your feelings with your thoughts um, with your body with the discomfort like it's it's not for everybody I got really zealous which I think is pretty common for people who learn something new it's like you know you learn you learn anything and you know, 20 year olds are, are notorious for this. I did this to my parents all the time. Where I learned something new, and, you know, it was like I was the first person who ever thought it. And I'd go home and I'm like, oh, then you gotta do this and do that, and da 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 da. And my whole world became that because, you know, when you're in your 20s, you're still pretty deeply self centered being. And uh, <laughs> at least I was. And so, like, I got really zealous and thought, oh, yeah, you know, meditation is for, you know, I was teaching in high school like everyone should we should meditate and won't they get all the same benefits that I got and if only I got these benefits when I was their age and I pretty quickly learned and received feedback from a lot of my students that it was too hard to sit alone with their eyes shut and I think that's super real so if you've experienced physical trauma emotional trauma sitting and meditating can be overwhelming and I think that there's a huge push in the self-help industry to sell meditation right like we've got all these apps we've got headspace and mindful and you know sam harris and everybody's got these meditation apps and i think in the west we have this kind of this misunderstanding of what meditation is that it's just like uh i think we quite frequently come into it believing that it's kind of uh 
to my understanding, the equivalent of transcendental Buddhist meditation, where you kind of, you know, transcend and you go to this really soft place that is free of thought and feeling, and you you kind of get above, you get above the, the madness. And so I think that with that misunderstanding, you know, to me that's a, a misunderstanding in the West, and it's kind of a, a way that we can avoid being with our feelings, our bodies. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have these, just a horse in my throat from this weather change. Um, kind of look at it as a way to escape reality. Um, which has its place inside of meditation. Um, I think it's one of the fruits or the benefits of practicing is that sometimes you can get to that place and it, it can allow you to have a, a reset or a fresh perspective about what reality is and allow you to see how your thoughts create your reality because inside of that space um, it's kind of a, a no thing and everything kind of feeling you know it feels a little bit more real than the mind created reality um, and I think as humans that one of our biggest drives is to be in touch with reality and to know like I think we, we I think we're drawn to the truth <clears throat> and not subjective truth like I'm talking like big universal like we really love this idea that there's like an objective reality and that we're all just interpreting it and I think we want to be in touch with that reality and I think that having transcendental experiences can kind of help you recognize <clears throat> just how busy the mind can get um, but with that motivation I think we don't have a really clear at least I didn't I don't have I didn't have a clear understanding of what meditation was um, I had a, a clear understanding of my intention so I'm gonna I'm gonna roll back to why I started meditating and kind of what I've learned so I was in a yoga class and I've mentioned this before in the podcast and I was doing a pose and I'd heard teachers say that, you know, your hips hold all these emotions and, you know, you let things come up and you flow from this pose into the next pose and from one thought into the next thought. And it was really pretty revolutionary stuff for me. Like, I'd never really thought about it, you know. In my experience, it's like my brain would grab onto a thought and we'd just stay there until I wore myself out. Or I got drunk or got distracted and forgot about it <clears throat> but uh letting things flow was like a new new idea for me and so inside of this pose I, I started having this memory of <clears throat> being in like gym in middle school and just being riddled with self-doubt and the self-doubt was coming up for me <clears throat> as an adult inside of this yoga class and I was really curious and I'd read things and heard about the ego and heard about like we have this fictional narrative that changes over time I and mean, there's no stable actual thing called Colby that it's something only <clears throat> I experienced directly and it's always changing but I got this little snapshot of like uh, 
I had a snapshot of how <clears throat> previous things I'd experienced were influencing how I felt about myself now. And, you know, as I moved into the next pose and moved throughout the class, I, I started to feel that that was not not the truth, not the, the totality of my being, not reality whole. It was one <clears throat> flavor or one experience in reality that had then kind of painted or put on these glasses and it was uh, like the glasses had a tent. And so I got really, really curious. And uh, it was towards the end of the year, I think that happened in the fall. And I, I set the goal around New Year. I, I told myself I was going to meditate every day for a year and just see what happened. You know, like I'd quit drinking, I'd started exercising, I'd gotten healthy. I'm like, you know, like what, <clears throat> what could this hurt? And so I, I started meditating. I joined a course and learned, uh, I learned open sitting which is, you know, you just kind of sit there, you have a timer for 24 minutes, and you sit. Um, you just sit for the 24 minutes, and, you know, quite honestly, this person who asked me the question was saying that, like, meditating feels like hell, and <laughs> I think that's really real. Like, the first, I don't know, six months that I sat, you know, maybe I did 10 minutes a day, I can't even remember how I started, but it was, like, between 10 and 24 and I remember just like I would freak out like my leg would fall asleep and I'm like I felt like I was suffocating I felt claustrophobic I would have like panics you know and I just kind of I just kept having this hunch that they're like if I just stuck with it you know like I knew that my inability to be with discomfort <clears throat> was why I drank so heavily um, and I just knew that uh, it felt like I was going to the gym in a way, you know, like, <laughs> kind of like that hesitancy, like, I know this is good for me, um, but I don't want to do it, you know, that internal kind of cognitive dissonance we feel when, you know, we know something, but we just don't do it and we bullshit ourselves <clears throat> out of it. And so I just, I really kind of held myself to task I was like I'm gonna do this it was really important for me to do that and so I would say the first year was just really hard <laughs> you know like my brain would race my body would hurt it was like my body was learning how to be in a new position I mean my hip my foot my leg my arm everything would fall asleep and so I kind of <clears throat> And like I said, this was just my approach. This isn't like the approach everybody needs. So like just whatever you get from this in this exploration, just take it with a grain of salt. Like this was my experience. I have my own history, my own personality, my own relationship with, you know, masochism and pushing myself past my limits. You know, like I've, I've learned a lot about myself inside of these years of meditating. But up front, it was just like, you're gonna fucking do this, Colby. <clears throat> and it was hard. And as I kept practicing it, I, I would have more moments <clears throat> of 
clarity. I would have these insights. I would have, you know, similar memories or somatic uh, memories, like the one from middle school, you know, whether it was about my childhood, with my, my relationship with my father, my relationship with people at work, my desire to people please. It was like it kind of created a space where I could have insights and I want to I want to be clear like there's a difference between contemplation and introspection and meditation like contemplation is the is it like the practice of using your mind to like look at your thoughts look at your beliefs you know using the mind is the tool that it is right it's like really good at uh, information gathering data collecting discernment comparing contrasting um, and so sitting down to meditate isn't sitting down to think about your problems. It's really, for me, it was sitting down to get to know myself, which is a lot harder than it sounds, but ultimately I would say worth it if, if you're in a place where you feel safe to sit down and start meditating. Um, And so I, 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 I continued meditating and have, and I've learned through reading and from going to different classes or retreats that there are all kinds of approach to meditation and there's a really great teaching uh, for whom and when, you know, like not everything is for everybody all the time. Uh, you know, if you break your leg, it doesn't really help if the doctor gives you insulin. You need a specific recovery plan for a broken leg. If you have diabetes, it doesn't help if uh, the doctor puts your hands in casts. And so meditation I've found to be very similar. Like <clears throat> you don't always need the same thing. And there are lots of different schools of meditation. There's Transcendental Buddhism, there's uh, Zen Buddhism, there is Vedanta, there, there's Vedanta, there's Advedanta, there's, uh, I mean, it's just, it's really endless, you know, I mean, people have, back to Greece, and, you know, the Buddha in the East, and in India, there's tons of different schools of meditation, and it's been a business forever, you know. Um, and so I think trust in your gut, you know, if, if, if you get curious about this, you know, trust your gut. Follow, follow your thread. Yours is going to be different than mine. Um, and not all teachers are for everybody just like in high school you know you had different relationships with different teachers it's really about trusting that if you're called to meditate you're called to meditate and you'll find the medicine that's right for you because a lot of this is like you know it's a little it's a little mystical in a way you know there's like a little like I've heard the term used from some teachers, like there's a golden thread and we each have a golden thread and we just need to learn how to follow that golden thread.
And so you can find any any form of meditation, like the form that I, <clears throat> the lineage that I practice in today, I would recommend to almost nobody. Um, I stumbled into it by grace, by karma, but I don't think I would proselytize doing what I've done, you know, like we, because I think that's dangerous. I think that it's easy for the ego to think like, oh, I've had all these breakthroughs, this is for everybody, when what I'm doing could totally traumatize or fuck somebody else up. And, you know, that's not for me to decide because I'm not a teacher, I'm not a guru. I'm just another joker at the carnival trying to figure this out. And so, that being said, there's I've learned that there's, for me, there was like kind of a... Uh, uh, a scaffolding and so for the first thing I needed to do was learn how to sit like literally I needed to learn how to physically sit I needed to learn what position was comfortable for my body enough that it wouldn't be too distracting I needed to allow my body to adjust to sitting on a meditation cushion for 20 minutes I needed to learn how and where I needed to stretch to be able to sit some people need to sit in chairs which is okay you know this image of the sitting in the full lotus position under the tree like that doesn't work for everybody's body so really learning how to physically sit and doing that incrementally I think I kind of went a little too hard on myself you know if I would have sat for five minutes then for the first month and ten minutes for the next month um, but just learning how to sit and just allow discomfort to happen you know there's a difference between pain and discomfort um, <clears throat> learning that relationship in my body um, you know pain there's there's a teacher Adi Ashanti who was like this kind of you know hardcore meditator and would sit for six hours and he had to have both his knees replaced and, and now that he's older he really kind of points to his hubris his youthful hubris and the way he was trying to dominate his meditation and so just a a little warning about that is like getting to know your body is going to help you I think get more from sitting and having a meditation at least it did for me and then the second tier is kind of allowing feelings like learning how to allow feelings to come and go it's really easy if say your foot starts to fall asleep your your mind will an untrained mind will just go think about the foot and like oh god I gotta stop this I gotta let this go one thing I noticed is that those things would pass you know like there's a difference between discomfort and pain you know you should always listen to pain but discomfort is like it's, it doesn't always mean that there's gonna be pain so learning to sit with you know being still learning how to be still like quiet your body and not move was really important for me um, and then it got really interesting <clears throat> I mean I used to have like I would be like oh my god and all I could think about for 10 minutes is like when's the when's the bell gonna hit when's the bell gonna hit what can I move my arm it's falling asleep <clears throat> and the more I did that the more I kind of my resilience 
built up and I, I realize like this discomfort will pass this isn't this is temporary which is something I didn't learn as a child you know like I was modeled that if you're uncomfortable you blame somebody you create a story about it or you drink or do drugs or eat food you know I was learned that you numb discomfort and you don't sit with it and allow it to pass <clears throat> so that was something I had to learn and then And then it was really kind of like the long game of getting, what would I say was next? Next was learning about attention. Because you can, like the mind, the untrained mind will kind of jump around. It's like, it's got all these neurological, biological impulses to detect danger and anticipate the future, analyze the past, and it's really... <clears throat> learning how to focus my attention and I think this is what people mean by mindfulness it's like body awareness like being able to shift your attention from your feet to your knees to your hands to your elbows to your chest to your neck to your skull like you learning how to uh, yoga like means to yoke and a big part of yoga and meditation is an aspect and one of the limbs of yoga um, is really learning how to yoke your mind to something like you know candle gazing um, trying to focus your attention solely on one thing or body scans yoga nidra is really great for this um, but learning how to begin to develop a relationship with attention. Because like, dude, attention is so powerful. It's like one of, it's one of the craziest things when I really think about it. It's like the power of your attention. So I'm a whole human body. And if I focus my attention towards something, I can like move an object. I can... Uh, solve problems um, you know we've put people on the moon we've invented amazing things uh, you know if you're walking down the street and you're thinking about this horrible conversation you had at work and how crappy you feel about it and all of a sudden there's a car crash and something draws your attention everything else in the world goes away like attention is so powerful and one of the coolest things I've learned about meditation is like the power to shift your attention and learning, you know, not shifting your attention to avoid things, but like learning how to shift your attention from thing to thing and then uh, trying to pay attention to everything equally. You know, my body, the air on my skin, my breath, the sound of my voice, the darkness when my eyes are shut. Um, and you kind of do this like total awareness where you're kind of aware of your surroundings and you're aware of, so learning, like shifting your attention and learning how to yoke the mind to something is really important because then you, you can kind of start to watch the mind. Like once you've learned how to pay attention, 
you can see and start to observe what comes up like what what's your brain doing when you sit quietly still for 20 minutes like what do you think about you know like what comes up for you is it something I don't know it's like meditation I think helps us become the observer of ourselves, which is really important to be able to take a step back and watch our thoughts and our feelings and our reactions you know I'm sure everybody here's heard like you know you're not you can't control anything but your response which is philosophically up for debate but I think primarily fairly true it's like the more you practice the more I've practiced the more that my responses feel intentional and not kind of automated by my trauma or my conditioning um, yeah so learning learning about attention learning how to shift your attention you know like a yeah it's, it's in interesting to talk about this because I don't want to share any practices because I really am not a teacher and it's not my job so just learning about <clears throat> my experience and kind of reflecting about it here it's like I remember I had this this sit you know and like I, I had been trying for probably two years to like clear my mind empty my thoughts you know because like I would have pretty amazing mystical experiences inside of the times that like I was doing a practice or a meditation and my mind was clear and you know I was like kind of like hooked on it I'm like I need that back I need that back but it was like kind of denying part of my humanity it's like I'm a human being with a mind and a history and trauma and a body and like things are gonna things are gonna come up <laughs> and I remember this one day I mean it was years and years after having meditated and I was like it was like kind of one of those checkmate moments from the universe or the goddess or god or whoever the guru whoever you want to say it <clears throat> But I remember just sitting in this meditation and, you know, I was eyes closed and it was like, oh, this is, this is my brain. Hi, hi, my brain. It's nice to meet you. I'm Colby. Are you, you know, and then it's like you can go as far into a surreal conversation inside your own head as you want. But it was like, <laughs> it was like the first time <clears throat> I met my brain. And I was like, okay, I accept that the ground is always there. I accept that trees are trees. I accept that the sky is there, but I don't accept that my own brain. Well, I should probably figure that out because, like, we're stuck in here. <laughs> you know, like, and when I use the plural there, I really, I mean that very literally. Like, there's this concept in AA that, like, we all have a committee inside our brains, you know, one of them might be like the voice of your father's judgment. One of them might be your mother's love. One of them might be your mother's criticism. One of them might be your sister. One of them might be your ex. Like, one of them might be your insecurities. But, like, you have this committee that kind of helps you make decisions. And so when I mean we, I mean that really literally. Like, there's not just a steady Colby. Like, there's all these little pieces of Colby that have all these voices. And sometimes... <clears throat> different people run the, the meetings you know like when I'm alone and I'm anxious there's a really terrified ghostish thing inside my head that's just predicting 
terror and fear and it's like that thing's running the ship and I'm nervous and I'm like Jesus Christ why do you have the reins and I don't want to leave the house when you're in control <laughs> you know and then there's like confident Colby who goes out into the world and is like really friendly and likes to meet people it feels very little fear and accept things as is but they're all kind of operating so like I just got to meet in that meditation it was like I realized I'd been pushing away all the parts that were uncomfortable and like really trying to hold on and create an identity structure out of the ones I liked and the ones that were pleasurable which is like you know that's like meditation or like Eastern philosophy 101 it's like you're trying to get rid of attachments attachments and aversions are like the same thing it's like you anyhow I was like oh I should get to know my brain and like how I work and it really it like reminded me of something I'd read in college that really stuck with me was that like Socrates was talking about like his famous saying know thyself like I never got the impression that that meant like <clears throat> be really good at telling my story it was like no like deeply know who you are it's like I'm the one relationship I know I'm gonna have you know it's in here and so like getting to know the operator's manual getting to know the how I respond how does this organism respond to stimulus how does you know mine's like it's like we're ultimately unique and we're ultimately mundane you know there's there's something very interesting about my timeline and how I respond to things and why I responded to things at certain times that I wouldn't have responded the same way to later like but getting to know myself was like a part of this for me you know there's some people who will just say yeah just fucking scrap the whole thing you're, the goal is enlightenment you're trying to get rid of your identity but for me it was like I really was invested in figuring out what was going on and who I am and why I respond to things the way I do and that was a huge breakthrough for me it was just like oh it was like the first time I ever saw my brain or met my brain and like work to accept it and so that was like <clears throat> a pretty cool and I think meditation for me has allowed me you know it's like cultivated a lot of things it's cultivated patience it's uh deepened my resilience it has taught me patience uh cultivated discernment um, I think yeah some acceptance you know like I, I still struggle with acceptance you know like I was having intensely emotional thoughts about a challenging conversation I had yesterday or something just honestly something shitty somebody said to me that was kind of character assassination <clears throat> and I was like really looking at it this morning but like without meditation I wouldn't have had the patience to like see how I felt why did that make me feel this way what are my values what do I want in relationships how do I have a follow-up conversation with this person about the impact of their behavior you know like I 
<clears throat> meditation has given me the skills to be able to navigate complex human relationships and I think that's like one of the benefits you know like basic human sanity you know you could go for total ego and identity eradication if you want I don't know what that would even look like I don't know if I've ever met an enlightened person um, I think I used to want to be enlightened just to because I misunderstood and just thought that meant I wouldn't have to feel um, but this concept of like basic sanity basic human adulthood whatever like meditation has been like a slow journey and I definitely had like a little detour where you know I was like learning these practices and going to rituals and doing you know I've been to India and I thought that you know a byproduct I think of meditating and learning some of these things can be like mystical experiences um, but mystical experiences like aren't the goal like mystical experiences are endless you can have a million mystical experiences and you can honestly I've been around you know groups of spiritual communities where people are just kind of hooked on mystical experiences and they think that they have like some I've achieved this thing I'm like yeah but if you took away your mystical experiences you all would be fucking monsters or messes like I don't think that's the point of meditating or practicing yoga or contemplation um and so like but there's nothing I mean I'm not gonna yuck anybody's yum if you want to go do heroin go do heroin if you want to go meditate for mystical experiences and get high go do that that's fine <clears throat> my goal is kind of basic human sanity um i want to be less confused internally i want to be less confusing to other people um yeah and i'd say another thing for me with meditation it was really important which I've come to learn is that the discipline and regularity of it you know I, I do it every morning it's like a nice way to transition between sleeping and waking for me and it, it gives me discipline and routine it's like a you know it's like a what would it be like a pillar Right? like it holds up my my existence it's like one of the it's like the foundation yeah that's good it's not a pillar it's a foundation it's like <clears throat> and it doesn't like remove discomfort it doesn't make me like vul invulnerable to like heartbreak or sadness but it allows me to like be with those feelings like it's really like going to the gym you know you're building muscles I needed to build resilience and so meditation kind of gave that to me and I'm going to just pause for a second and see if there's anything else I want to say about that. Yeah, I think just trust yourself. Like, if you're curious about it, go do it. Yeah, the, the right thing will find you. You know, I really do believe that. I have faith in that. <clears throat> that if you set the intention to heal yourself, the universe has your back. If you set the intention to for the truth the universe has your back <clears throat> you know I really feel like that's something I've seen pretty consistently yeah trust yourself be patient it's hard it's like you know it's not 
it's not the pictures we were sold here in the West of like, oh, it's transcendental in Lotus Gardens. Like, it can be that, but like, sometimes it's really, you know, you're writhing on the floor crying because you realize there's this thing that you were sad about 20 years ago that you weren't ready to be with. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, like, it's it takes work. It's like going to the gym, but it's, for me, it's been ultimately worth it. And I was <clears throat> reflecting, I went to chant with some uh, other practitioners in the lineage I study with this week, and I had, uh, I had just had a pretty challenging week because I'd had a relationship that was coming to an end, or at least transitioning from like intense feelings of love and affection into like there was some distance and some space and lack of communication. It was really confusing and triggering for me. And I was reflecting with these people that because of my practice and meditating, I was able to like. I was able to be uncomfortable about that, but not let it consume me. <clears throat> you know, I could keep working. I could uh, kind of keep that in its pocket, which was a new skill for me. You know, I was also able to like be patient enough to have a conversation with that person uh, where we both felt seen and heard, and we both were able to collaboratively figure out how to move forward out of love and compassion. Um, and it wasn't easy, you know, like my brain definitely had times of being like, I'm out of here, screw this, ain't nobody got time for this crap, blah, blah, blah. but I was able, like, with the foot falling asleep, I was able to just be like, you feel this now, Colby, and this will pass, this isn't, this isn't the whole of how you feel, and so, yeah, really interesting, good luck if you're starting meditating, I hope that was helpful, I'm gonna take a little pause, and uh, try to address the other two questions. Um, this is a crowd-funded, listener-supported podcast, so thank you to all my uh, patrons. Thank you to all my listeners. If you can't support, don't worry about it. Uh, I'm going to keep doing this. If you can, please go over to patreon.com, www.patreon.com slash turningofthebones. Uh, yeah, trying to trying to make this full-time hustle. Um and I just really appreciate it. Like, share, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes, all that good stuff. And thanks for joining me. It's been almost a year doing this. Uh, one week off for Christmas. Feeling pretty proud of that. Feeling pretty, pretty gassed up on that one. Um, so my last two questions. Uh, one of them came to me from a friend and this might be a, a bigger question but I'm going to try to <clears throat> try to address it here uh, relationships ending dating after breaking up with somebody who you were with for a long time and friendships um, I mean this is a tough one relationships ending is hard <laughs> you know like it's 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 just challenging it's like Grief, I think you have to, you have to grieve, like, properly, like, really, really do the damn thing, because even if the relationship <clears throat> can continue in a different iteration or a different version, like, the, the relationship you had needs to die and be buried, um, and that's not to say, like, you have to, like, 
totally reset and meet the person. But like, you know, when you're in a romantic relationship, you are all, you're attached to the person, which could be like, you're attached to how they mirror your childhood trauma. You're attached to how they make you feel good. You're attached to how they make you feel bad. You're attached, you know, also to the dreams and ideals you had. Like, I think that's been a really interesting one for me. It's like, you're not only grieving the person, you're grieving the idea of the person. So, you know, this is something else I've learned through meditation is like being able to discern what's actually going on. You know, like I went through a breakup about five months ago, pretty long-term relationship. And I was like, okay, I need, I realized I need to grieve the, the actual time we spent together, the things I liked. I need to grieve <clears throat> the dreams we had and the idea I had of this person because they're not always the same, you know? Like, I don't know anybody who doesn't have a mind that creates an image of a person and then also is in relationship with the actual person. I think that's a really hard part of being in relationships in general. Um, but I would say, like, you know, properly grieving, you know? Like, if... If you want to be friends, you have to have grieved the romantic thing first. And I think, honestly, if you want to reset romantically, you have to grieve the other thing first, too. Like, you can't come back. Like, you're going to just, you're going to do what's called backsliding, where you just kind of fall back into the pattern of your relationship that was unhealthy enough for you to end it. And so, I think that grief process looks different for everybody. For some people, you can do that with intention in a short period of time. For some people, it takes time. Um, you know, and honestly, some people you just can't have relationships with. And that's another, you know, being honest with yourself, I think, is really, you know, having a therapist or journaling or friends who really kind of hold you to what's going on. Uh, I think that's really important. And, you know, I mean, there are a million movies about rebound sex, about rebound relationships. Like, we're all just trying our best. I think after relationships end, giving yourself and the other person some grace to be exponentially messy. Like, you were probably messy in the relationship and probably there was too much mess if it ended. But, like, we're all going to be messy when we're grieving, you know? You know, I've had exes sleep with friends. Like, I've, you know, it's like it, it, the the more grace you can give yourself and the other person, I think the smoother that transition is going to go. Um, I think dating after breaking up with someone you were with for a long time, it's like being honest with yourself about what you're available for, being honest with the new people you're inviting into your life, um, with where you're at. Um, you know, this stigma of, like, this is the word ex. It's like, oh, I saw my ex. People, like, their whole, if you say that, someone's whole vibe will change and shift. It's like we have kind of a, a stigma around the word ex. And I think, you know, just being honest, you know, like, I was just dating somebody that I cared about quite a bit you know the, the one I ended this week and I had a, a significant breakup about five months ago and I was honest the whole time I'm like you know I'm 
I'm grieving this person. I want to have them in my life as a friend. I'm working towards that. Uh, this is going to take up some of my emotional space. Uh, you know, are you available to hang out if that's going on? You know, and it takes. I mean, it's like it's just relationships. It takes communication. It takes patience. It takes communication again. It takes patience again. It's just a long process, and I think that for myself, it's never gone smoothly if I haven't actually grieved the relationship. <clears throat> and I would say that I'm friendly with like 90% of my exes. I'd say I'm friends with 10, like actual friends, like in regular contact with like one or two of them, you know, but like, you know, life is, people move on, you talk less, you know, one of my favorite people I talk to maybe twice a year, one of my exes, and like I'd say we're still friends, but we just, we have lives, you know, things have changed. So uh, good luck on that one. Um, and it, yeah, it's like you have to renegotiate everything. If you're friends, you have to, there are new boundaries. It's like you just patience with the process, communication, clarity internally about why you're doing it, you know. Are you doing it just because you want that person to validate you? Or are you doing it because you're not finished with the piece of your attachment trauma that you're trying to heal through them? Like, I mean, having a therapist and support for this process is huge, I think. And having friends around, like, be patient with yourself. Like, backsliding, sleeping with an ex is a normal thing that people do. And the last question... How dogs help us heal and teach us so much, etc. I could probably, I mean, I could do a full podcast on both of these. How dogs, I think dogs, one of the, like, so <clears throat> one of the amazing things about dogs, right? Everybody says this is that they just love us unconditionally, which is pretty cool, right? Like babies. It's like, why does this thing, you know, like, I'm sure parents have had this experience. Why does this thing love me so much? Like, doesn't it know how screwed up I am? But this thing thinks I'm like God. I think it's pretty similar with dogs. It's like they just, you know, they just love you. Um, so, yeah, why? I didn't really do any mental prep for this one. I thought this one would be easier to talk about. Um, honestly, I think it's like anything else. Dogs are a mirror. Uh, I think all relationships are really mirrors to help us get to know ourselves. <clears throat> um, I don't think that's the totality of it. I think they're also an invitation to get to get ourselves out of the way and get to know other people and hear their perspectives. But with dogs, it's really like, you know, they can't, it's like a baby. They can't tell you their needs. You have to listen. So I think dogs can really... Oh, they can they can help you become more patient, you know, because they can't speak their needs. They can help you get to know yourself, like where are you at with your own patience. Um, I think they're just really good mirrors because they 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 can't talk they can't talk back. Like they just love you and want food and snuggles and playtime, which is basically all I want. So. <laughs> um, 
I think for me too, it's like an important the thing I've learned in raising lots of dogs and the older I've gotten this has gotten this has become more clear is that 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 dog is mirroring back to me my emotional state because dogs are always watching you <clears throat> to see or most dogs are watching you to see how you respond to things they're looking for consistency and stability and the same things that we're all looking for and so I think dogs are a really safe place to make mistakes as humans you know like they forgive us a lot more quickly than other than, than people do they accept our lack of patience um, I think that yeah like they're just a it's like if I'm having a rough day I can it's like I can see it in my dog's eyes, you know. I can, I don't know, they're just, I, I, I could go on forever about why dogs are cool. And honestly, I think I'm running out of steam for flowing with the conversation. Um, I just think they're little angels, and I think they're little chances to get to know ourselves. So I'm going to leave that there. I'll put some more thought into the dog one because I have wanted to do a podcast about pet ownership or pet pet partnership. Um, yeah. So thank you all for joining me. I, I really I had a fun time answering these questions. I hope this was helpful. I want to definitely reiterate not a guru teacher meditation just my experience some observations i've made about myself inside of learning how to meditate and practicing and i think it's important for me to call it practice because my meditation practice is that it's practice uh don't be too hard on yourself you can have a really good feeling meditation than a bad feeling meditation doesn't mean anything's wrong it's just like you're just building muscles emotional mental spiritual muscles and uh yeah trust your trust your mystical support team they got you listen to that golden thread and i'm gonna sign off before this gets too long i hope you all have a beautiful day take care of yourselves pet a dog pet a cat smile at a bird caught a crow have a beautiful day be well